great. But here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Yes, of course. We will you don't even have to think about it. So let's rhyme it today. Rhyme it. Yes. We are going to rhyme it. Just that's where he just after ran down. Everybody, amazing. I'm not going to remember any of it. That's good. That's the way to go. All over the Rams today and Rammy. I mean, now he's like on his feet. How are you guys? Who's house? Wow. Rammy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Rams Brothers. I'm your host, Dean, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother and the other great host of this show, Nick. And Nick. We're talking about the offensive line, specifically McVay's recent comments on Coleman Shelton and Joe Nopum, the Demarcus Robinson signing, the Sean Desai hire, making it nine total coaches that Sean McVay has brought onto his staff for this season, and then the salary cap increase. But first, and most importantly, how are you, my good brother? I'm good. I really dug right into that McVay interview. I feel like there are a lot of good nuggets in there that we can uh, discuss here. So yeah, it's going to be a fun Monday. It's a good way to kick off the week. I think um, Sean McVay's comments in this most recent press conference were really, really telling, especially as it relates to the offensive line. We want to kick it off with Coleman Shelton because it feels like Coleman Shelton's potentially going to be re-signed. So Sean McVay made comments on Coleman Shelton specifically and Joe Nopum, and this one was really, really straight and to the point. They've proactively been in talks with center Coleman Shelton and his representation to get something done. So we feel like it's any day that it's going to happen. And Sean McVay commented that we would really like to get him back. So the option of avoiding him in his final year of his contract and becoming a free agent this spring is definitely an option. It's definitely in play for Coleman Shelton. But this deal seems like it's all but done and you're able to keep as much continuity as humanly possible up front. And Nick, you might be able to run it back with the same starting five. So in the draft, you could look to replace some of these interior positions, specifically at center. You can go find another Joe Noteboom type swing player. But this feels like a player that you want to be able to lock up, keep. Matthew Stafford has been pretty vocal about his progression. He's a left-handed center, so a little bit different. But as an undrafted player, these guys have made names for themselves. So it feels like Coleman Shelton is going to be here to stay. So wanted to get yeah, your I, I mean. I think a lot of the cadence between Matthew and, and Coleman is has been huge. It's something that they both talk about. Uh, so it's it's somebody that a lot of people would love to see staying around. Uh, it, it's all as far as the you know the front five. I'm I'm not sure if that's going to be completely the same, right. especially when you know you have McVeigh kind of uh, rambling uh, on Noteboom like without even it being brought up. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the offensive line is so important, right? The center position is increasingly more important. You said it in the last episode. These guys identify blitzes. They have cadences with the quarterback. They're they're just integral to being, being able to, to run your offense appropriately. And the comments on Joe Nopum were a little bit telling, right? Because like they were long. It just felt like McVay was continuously rambling. If you could lock up Joe Nopum in that right guard position, you're going to have continuity across the starting five, but your sixth player, essentially your swing tackling, a guy that has shown that he could play inside. These comments were, were rambles. It was, it, I felt like this was really telling as to where Sean McVay is going to bring the direction of Joe Nopum's contract. This is what he said. We're working through all of those things right now. I think it's so impressive what Joe did, the toughness that he showed last year, the ability to really play all four spots with the exception of center. We're really <laughs> working through that. 
We'll see what it looks like as it relates to the status with us moving forward. But Joe's been a big time contributor and certainly wouldn't have been wouldn't have been able to do a lot of the good things without Joe and his ability to play right tackle, left tackle and right guard. If he had played left guard, I'm sure he could. But unfortunately, we had a rookie and offensive lineman, Steve Avila, that came in and played 100 percent of the snaps. So real credit to Joe for what he's been able to do and more contributions he had last year and many contributions he had last year. That was a lot like that. Yeah. You saw how straightforward he was with Coleman Shelton, and the fact that that quote was as long as it was, I feel like it's just it's very, very telling in terms of how they're going to renegotiate the contract, whether they cut or trade him after post-June 1st designation. The money is a little bit different in terms of savings. If you do it before June 1st, it's only a $5 million savings and a $15 million cap hit. If you do it after, the numbers are reversed. So you have some optionality, but the writing's on the wall with Joe it does feel like if they can bring him back cheap and use him more of like a Swiss army type role, like, you know, God forbid somebody does go down, then it does yeah. feel like he can like swoop in and pretty much any of the, any of the offensive line roles. So that would, but it, to me, it, it, it does sound like his days are numbered just based <laughs> on, just based yeah. on that. You could redo the contract, but for when you look at the salary cap and you see Aaron Donald and Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, and then you see Joe Nopum as, as the yeah. fourth player, it gets a little bit shaky. But I think the direction and how they they originally observed Joe Nopum, like this is going to be the left tackle of our future. And if we sign him to this contract, it's a bit of a bargain, right? If he's able to stay on the team, he's less than a $20 million cap hit for four or five years. You know, he's in the same ballpark as Rob Havenstein in terms of a starter. So that was their thought process. It's just the contract didn't work out the way that they would have liked. And now you're kind of dealing with the situation where you could eat some dead money and maybe get some quick savings immediately. But also, like, you could potentially keep the player as a swing tackle and a Swiss Army knife if you're not going to address it in the draft. So plenty of things that they could do. But I feel like his days are very numbered with the Rams. Yeah, it, it you know grateful for everything that he's done, but it does feel that way as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll some good news. Now, Demarcus Robinson signed Love a one it. year, $5 million deal. Uh, he's back for a year. So then after you look after this year, you're going to see two, two end Demarcus Robinson um, as free agents. But I think for the time being to be able to lock somebody up for a $5 million deal, it immediately um, fills the, uh, the void that Brian Allen left in terms of a $5 million savings. So they use that money and gave it right to Demarcus uh, he was just unbelievable down the stretch, and I feel like it was a really, really smart signing for the Rams just to be able to bring him back in the building and give him a full offseason with the entire wide receiver staff and personnel to be able to just kind of build upon what they were able to instill in the last five, six games of the season. Yeah, I. the more I think about um, this DeMarcus Robinson signing, it kind of reminds me of the uh, Allen Robinson one. from uh, Like this is kind of what we thought Allen Robinson was going to be. And then to kind of find him or to find that role in Demarcus Robinson. And I mean, down the stretch, the guy was lights out. I think it was like seven touchdowns in the last seven games or something like that. Yeah, um, no. He was, so his last five games of the 2023 season, four, 34 yeah. total targets. So seven targets per game, 21 total receptions, 64 yards per game and four touchdowns. I think he had seven on the season. So just really, really tough. Um, and to be able to get on the same page as Matthew Stafford down the stretch is important. But like in terms of your comparison to Allen Robinson, probably on our part, we didn't study him enough before he came into the building. We were like, is he going to be a Robert Woods replacement? Is he going to be like 
you know, an X receiver on the outside with Van Jefferson, a field stretcher. But we know what Demarcus Robinson is. We know he's a true X receiver, a field stretcher, and a guy that has developed as a run blocker, has really kind of picked up on the Rams' system, and has progressed throughout the season. So I think they just wanted to keep that continuity and have a full offseason to be able to kind of develop it again. Yeah, I, I mean, also it kind of tells me that what they're going to be doing with the draft might change a little bit with the, yeah. with bringing him back. And it's like, okay, we understand who our core receivers are. With Demarcus Robinson coming back for this year, we yeah. think we can do it this year. Like the, it's a it's a one year deal. Let's let's you know, it's a lot of money. Like let's go out there and and win it. So hopefully they what they address in the draft is is less so what they what they just signed right now. And hopefully it's more of like a, de- a defensive draft. But I love Demarcus Robinson. I thought he was fantastic last year. So I'm really excited to see him come back. No, but your your points hurt right because instead of looking at the 19th overall pick at a Jackson Powers Johnson type center. You could lock up Coleman Shelton and bring in the continuity. Same thing with Demarcus Robinson, right? Instead of going Xavier Leggett in the second round to replace an, an X receiver, you lock up Demarcus Robinson for a year and $5 million. And you just got, like I said, you saved the money with Brian Allen. So you're not really taking any money out of your pocket to pay Demarcus. It's just, it's a perfect situation for everybody. Super happy that he's back in the building. So yeah. it's going to be just, you know, more good things as the Rams' offense continues to build upon what they they brought to the table since the bye week of last year. Uh, you know, I'm, I totally understand draft the best guy on the board, but yeah, you know, let's bring in like whole. Let's fill our holes, really. Yeah, and I'm th- I was thinking about it over the weekend. I was like, do you want to bring in like a, a Puka Cooper Cup type receiver that's as versatile as those two can play all three receiver positions, and then you kind of have a three headed attack with that type of receiver where they're interchangeable and matchup nightmares. Or do you want to kind of go towards the X mold and then you bring back Demarcus Robinson, but you can kind of look towards later rounds in the draft to be able to kind of continue to build upon that X receiver position with the thought process of 2-2 and Demarcus not being in the building next year under contract. So I, a lot of the, yeah. you can go you can go either way, but like how do you not like gravitate towards the Puka Nakua Cooper Cup mold in the fifth, fourth, fifth round if you have that draft pick and that type of player is available? So. It, it, it's a little difficult because with Demarcus Cooper and Puka, I like are are on the field. I don't think any of them are like true, um, like uh, like long like deep threats really. So like they don't really stretch the field a hundred percent, which is I think what Tutu is really good at because he can just you know yep. go. Yep. Uh, so we'll we'll have to see. Like that was their best three though. When 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 those three were out. That, that's who you want it to see. Uh, I guess you could argue that Cooper Cup is able to do that just because of the attention that he gets, but uh, Puka Nakua might also next year, depending on how they decide to to cover him. Leading, yeah, I was watching the uh, Super Bowl back, and I, I just remember when Cooper Cup had to line up on the outside one-on-one with double coverage, and yeah. everybody knew the ball was going to him, but that's like the type of receiver that Cooper Cup is, and same with Puka Nakua. But yeah, you're right. A, two, a true field stretcher is Tutu Atwell or a Brandon Cooks, you know, right. those type of players. So yeah. well, that's going to continue to progress. We'll stay on top of it in terms of the receiver news because we know Sean McVay loves his receivers. Um, yeah, I'm sure so they'll get one. Yeah, I do too. So the next piece of news is Sean Desai. So we thought that the coaching staff was locked up. They had brought in eight new faces, um, but I thought that the Sean Desai hire was really, really interesting just because of the way that it was described. 
So a multifaceted role that will work with the offense and the offensive coaches from a defensive perspective. That makes sense. <laughs> so this happened after the Sean McVay interview. This it did. So yep. he didn't really get to discuss it, but he kind of almost touched on it a little bit. Cause at the end of the interview, he's talking about how, like, oh, if I could go back, maybe I and, and do it all over again. I think I'd be a defensive coach. Like these defensive coaches have to be able to challenge the offense and they have to be able to understand the offense. And that's what Chris Shula brings. And saying all this stuff about how these defensive-minded coaches also are autistic, sorry, offensive geniuses. And it they it it kind of lines up with like this role being fulfilled. But Sean Desai, I mean, I wasn't – that's somebody I wasn't expecting to bring in the building at all, to be honest. I agree. Like, they've been quietly staffing this job over the last couple of years, so it's not a surprise that it kind of fell by the wayside. But it's reminiscent of Jimmy Lake hire from last year, the guy that um, Raheem Morris brought with him to Atlanta. But I think it's worth noting with the Eagles' defense, the way that Matt Patricia took it over uh, and defensive play calling duties around week 13 or 14 for the Eagles, and the Eagles talk radio went absolutely ballistic – there were substantially worse over that small sample size. And the favorite to win the defensive player of the year, Jalen Carter, was almost a non-factor and ended up getting beaten out by Houston's Will Anderson Jr. in the final weeks of the season for that rookie uh, defensive player of the year. So Sean Desai has been a defensive play caller on two separate occasions with the Bears in 2021, where the Bears were fourth in sacks behind the Rams, who were third, and only allowed 191 passing yards per game, which was third best in the league. So I don't remember him specifically being effective during the first game of the season when Van Jefferson was taking the top off of the defense and Matthew Stafford's coming out party in the first week of the season in 2021. But his stint with the Eagles, even though it wasn't as successful, it's worth noting that his background and his coaching positions on both sides of the ball, you could see it with his resume, um, as well as being an assistant to Pete Carroll in 2022 before he got to Philadelphia. So some really strong NFC familiarity that you're bringing into the building alongside of the fact that it's going to help Chris Shula continuously develop into an elite defensive coordinator. I also think the Eagles demise last year feels like it, there was a lot going on in that building that kind of brought everything tumbling down. Um, like even when they were winning in the beginning, it never really felt legitimate uh, because it was always like by the, you know, hair of their chinny chin chin, so, I, I mean, when you go to a Super Bowl, it's so difficult to get back the following year. Like, we, it's, it's, it's almost impossible after you lose to go back mm -hmm. immediately. It, like, never happens. And maybe we can just throw that year out. But, I mean, just from, from somebody that watched a lot of the Eagles and then you know, to, to bring somebody in from that co coaching staff, it is a little alarming. Sure, uh, sure. Especially because it seems like everybody else that they brought in, like – is all exciting up and coming. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm in full trust in, in who McVay and Snead hire and bring in. So yeah. I think and that's, that's the recency bias that's talking to, right? Cause I felt the same way. Like when you look at his career trajectory, he was on his way up safeties, coach, defensive coordinator, associate head coach and defensive assistant defense. Like he was on his way up as he went to Philadelphia and it just didn't work out. So yeah, replaced him with Vic Fangio. And it's it's good. You want to bring more minds into the building. It felt like a lot of the staff hires were catered towards the offense. It seems like a lot in the building just 
holistically is catered towards the offense and Sean McVay. Because when you look at the next topic we want to talk about was the salary cap and the salary cap increases. But when you look at the way that this is broken out, the Rams' total salary cap that's being used right now, the offense is accounted for $155 million total. The defense, $55 million total. So $100 million less allocated to the defense. And then special teams, just $2 million. Benny Sko, he's happy with the money that's in his pocket. He's smiling. But when, when you look at the way this is all broken down, it's, it's very um, synonymous with the performance of last year. And why Raheem Morris got a head coaching job and the lack of money that they allocated towards the defense for 2023 just to be able to you know, claim in the offseason that the offense was going to be able to carry the heavy load. Um, and when you see the way that the salary cap's being broken out now, so the salary cap increased $30 million to $255.4 million total. So now there's some more legitimate money on the table, how it directly impacts the Rams. It's good for all teams. But I think for teams that have some really, really tough decisions to make, some undrafted players that they want to potentially re-sign, some unrestricted free agents. Um, it creates more opportunity. And I think that the way that all salaries are going, right? You look at a Patrick Mahomes or a Matthew Stafford or an Aaron Donald, like we want to continuously pay these players more money because the product on the field is so damn good. And all the ad revenue from all these streaming services continuously increases the money that these teams in the league are bringing in. Um, so the way that it's, it's working right now, it gives you more opportunity. Um, and I think that it's it's definitely worth discussing because of the way that the Rams kind of evaluate unrestricted free agents, right? Because like we were talking about the edge position, we were talking about the cornerback position. I still feel like that those are the two priorities in the offseason, right? Because yeah, you allocate, sure. yeah, I mean, you could pay an edge rusher $25 million this season. You could look at a, a Josh Allen or a Brian Burns or a Daniil Hunter. The quarter, cornerbacks aren't as talented, but I still feel like, you're, you're going to have to do something splashy on defense this season. It's going to be one of those bring, two positions. If you bring in, like, a top-quality edge rusher, don't you think that, like, your cornerback can kind of not be as yeah. top-quality? Like, if you get to the quarterback much faster, like, the cornerback's job is not going to be as difficult. So, yes. I mean, yes. th that's like, you know, thinking like like a kid in the backyard. But still, No, like, no, it's, it's the perfect thought process. If your pass rush wins – it's less pressure on your secondary to hold coverage. Yeah. It, it, just, it makes sense. If your pass rush wins in two seconds, that's only two seconds that your secondary has to cover for it. It's, yeah, it's two, two Mississippis. Get in there. <laughs> that's all you need. So in terms of who's out there, so I just kind of wanted to break down some of the top edge rushers that are available as unrestricted free agents and cornerbacks. Like the top two cornerbacks in Jalen Johnson and Lejarius Sneed, Probably not in the Rams' ballpark, but you could look a little bit lower down on that list for a Stephon Gilmore and Xavier Howard. Not interested in either of those players, but kind of where the thought is, if you want to bring in a little bit older of a veteran, because you had that veteran presence on the back end with Jordan Fuller and John Johnson this past season, you don't really have that going into this season. Um, so I would like a little bit of veteran secondary help. doesn't have to be any of these players, but just want to give you guys an example. I know not cornerbacks, but you know, back in the day, the you know the the Marcus Peters and the Eric Weddles of the uh, <laughs> of the Rams organization. Like I feel yeah, like Keith a good Tlaib. like yeah 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 Keith Talib. Oh yeah, yeah. God, I forgot about that. Was fan I, that that was like my favorite defense that Wade Phillips twenty eighteen. <laughs> that was so fun. I mean, how could you not love it? You had two really really talented cornerbacks, and the pass rush was consistently winning. Right, you had young talent. 
um, coming around the edge, Ebukam and Oboe. Um, it's just, you know, it's a lot of fun. Clay Matthews, I think the season after. So no, just yeah, some- let's, not, let's not go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> I, I'm pretty high on a player like Daniil Hunter, right? Like guys on this edge list are real. I mean, Josh Allen, Brian Burns, you could be obviously high on, um, yeah. but, you know, may get offered the franchise tag. Um, may get locked up with their current teams in Jacksonville and, and Carolina. Daniel Hunter is a guy who seems like the Rams have been interested for a long period of time with Minnesota has the familiarity with Kevin O'Connell. Um, that could be an acquisition that is a little bit lower of a tier than Josh Allen and Brian Burns. So maybe a $5 million savings in comparison per year, which would open up the door to be able to bring in a, a secondary veteran, something along those lines. So you could look at it as, as I could bring in two players for the price of one, if you go a little bit lower on this edge list, or you can go after one of the top talents. Um, and I wouldn't have a problem with the Rams doing either one because it's it's definitely time for them to start investing in their defense. And I feel like one of the players, one of the top talents, edge or cornerback, deserve the kind of attention for less need to go out and seek and bring in. Um, whether it's a guy that he feels like is on their back nine or a guy that's coming out of their first rookie deal who the Rams can lock up for a long period of time. Yeah, yeah. I, Brian Burns, it, it, I, what I saw he was asking for may be too much yeah. Uh, yeah. for the Rams to offer. So I know he may be the one that everybody's kind of, you know, thinking about right now. I, yeah. I don't you think can't, that's realistic. That's you can't give Aaron Donald Aaron Donald money and then pay Brian Burns Nick Bosa money, right? Yeah. Like because like Nick Bosa is making thirty four million dollars a year. He's the highest paid defensive player in the league. Like Aaron Donald's right below that, so you you theoretically can't do it. So that's, that's I I feel like what's most realis- uh, realistic because I it, it's a pattern that the Rams <laughs> since McVay and Snead have been together is they bring back people that they trust. So I think yeah. Leonard Floyd is probably the most realistic in that. In that, I, so, yeah, I mean, especially you know, if it, it takes a team friendly one year deal. Yeah, because then it allows you to uh, to bolster up the secondary as well. But like to your point, you could you could just go out and get a top guy, and then you don't have to worry about the secondary as much. So I, again, optionality. Part of what I want. I think I think a lot of what what uh, Raheem was working with last year was like finding like creative ways to like bring in pressure and trusting Aaron yeah. Donald and the other guys up front to be able to you know win their matchups, but you know, without real edge help, it's really difficult to get home to the quarterback. And I think there was a stat recently that was like, or at least it was back in the day where like a sack is actually more beneficial than like a turnover sometimes because of just how much it kind of takes away from the momentum. So it, I mean, I, I really just want to see them hit the quarterback more. I felt like that was the main thing that was missing. So well, the good, edge, the good thing edge over quarterback is yeah. where I stand, Team Nick. The, the scheme allowed them to generate pressure, and I think that was some of the good things that Raheem brought to the table. But they weren't always getting home. So you need that that one or two players, that extra burst that will allow for them to get home. So that that's going to be so much fun about this time of year. It's like you're projecting you're looking at so many potential options and if the free agency the way it doesn't shake out the way that you're looking if you don't go edge you don't go cornerback you could always go safety you could always go veteran tight end because hunter long and tyler higby are both starting the year coming off major injuries and bryson hopkins might not be resigned so that could be perhaps some options you address in the draft but i feel like it's just like edge and cornerback you're coming off of a Jalen Ramsey contract. You're coming off of a Von Miller and Leonard Floyd contract. We know the way that they like to prioritize this position. And for these two positions 
in free agency. And I feel like it's just a matter of time until the the news starts to trickle out that they're investigating a certain player and they want to bring somebody into the building. So quick question for you, Dean. Mm-hmm. How much of the salary cap increase can we put onto Taylor Swift? What do you mean? None. So, <laughs> so oh, how much, I, I, I see what you're saying. How much, how much revenue, revenue did Taylor Swift bring into the NFL in order for them to increase the salary cap? It ha- I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why the salary cap was increased. Yeah, it's definitely part of it. Um, the other part of it is the Peacock deal, right? The, the Peacock playoff game that just raked in tons and tons of revenue. It's the Amazon Thursday night football games that continue to rake in more revenue. It's the other streaming services like the Apple TVs, the Netflixes, the Disney Pluses of the world that are looking for other partnerships that are continuously increasing the bids every single year. And then there's like the the Toy Story stuff, right? All and the Nickelodeon stuff. Like the think Toy about Story how, thing was so weird. I know, I know. But you think about how like every in Andy's room. How every yeah. major network is trying to get a piece of the pie with the NFL, Nickelodeon, and Patrick and SpongeBob. Like the revenue just continuously pours in. All of that, alongside of Taylor Swift being as unbelievable as she is, is the reason why revenue continuously increases for the yeah. NFL. No, I just thought it was a funny question. I mean, she, I, I think, I, I think, I, like Travis Kelsey jerseys went up by like eight hundred percent. <laughs> like so, I mean, she definitely helped bring in and it brought a whole new audience to the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl, I think, I think I yeah. saw that, that this was factual. The most watched television program of all time this year had like 123 million viewers yeah. all at once. It was like the Super Bowl and the moon landing. Yeah, <laughs> the two top events. <laughs> wow, it's great. That's why we love football. That's why we talk about it all year long. There's no off season. All of this stuff continuously ramps up. A lot of stuff is is going to come down the pipe. Um, the combines coming up later this week, Thursday. We're going to get live combine drills. The Rams are going to start hitting the free agent market hard. They're going to start hitting the draft approach really hard, and then we're going to be rolling out the uh, the big board and all the other fun stuff that comes along with draft season. So if you guys are enjoying the podcast, you're enjoying what we're rolling out. Make sure that you ram it. <laughs> Like and subscribe. Yeah, we love Dean you guys. We're going to be doing a live combine uh, 225 bench off. So don't, you know, don't miss that. <laughs> I'm, I'm down. 225 for reps. Yeah. Let's see what you got. Yeah. I mean, you I'm might not have gonna... me by one or two, actually. Last time we went, you you repped like 12 or 13. I, was like, I think I beat you. But I, I mean, if you're ripping 315 right now, there's no shot. I'm rep- ripping 315 for two right now. Jeez, working on that dad bod, huh? Worry, well, yeah, the food goes up, the bench goes up, everything's good. The belly Maybe goes up. <laughs> the white in the beard, it all continuously. Yeah, yeah. Hit me where it hurts. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We love you. Go, Rams. Talk soon. Peace. <laughs>